Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. I am so excited to welcome Ryan Kipping to the podcast. Hi, Ryan. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. I am so honored that you agreed to come and be a guest on the podcast. Ryan is the prenatal nutritionist, <laughs> and yes. I'm so excited to to have her on. And she was actually one of my preceptors when I went That's through right. my dietetic internship. That seems um, like so long ago. I know. <laughs> it, it was not that long ago, but it feels... I know. So long ago. I, don't know, I was just thinking about that. I think at the time your Instagram maybe had around 50,000 followers, which probably, I mean, yeah. is incredible, but you have grown so yeah. immensely from that point. It's just been so awesome to watch. So, but yeah, that was probably hands down one of the best parts of going through my internship. And oh, that's so nice. Oh my gosh. No, it was, it was so fun. Oh, it was honey. I wrote an article about honey to go in the nutrition lab. That's right. You contributed. Yeah. And you know what? That note is so popular. So, you know, that's a great contribution because you wouldn't believe how many questions we get about honey and people are just confused. And the labeling with honey is so weird at the grocery store. Yes. I can't remember if we had talked about this when you were even going through the note, but I've also since had like several different conversations with the two dietitians that I have on my team uh-huh. and some other members of the library, because when you go, cause you know, we recommend finding a pasteurized honey because it's just safer that way. Mm-hmm. But whenever you look at honeys at the grocery store, they don't explicitly state pasteurized like mm-hmm. most other products do. Like most other products, you will see clearly, clearly says, on the label. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like it'll clearly say pasteurized, but for some reason, like honey is this exception. And so it's so weird because people will, I didn't, I didn't really realize that until so many people kept, like I kept getting the question like over and over and over again. Like people would mm-hmm. be like, I legit can't find pasteurized honey in my grocery store. And I'm like, well, this can't be everyone. Like this is not right. Like, yeah. So then like after digging and after like talking to, you know, other dietitians on my team, we're like, okay, I think it's just the fact that if it says raw, then that means it's not pasteurized. So if it doesn't state raw on the okay, label, then it is then it's pasteurized. Exactly. Hey, good to know. Well, so there you go. <laughs> that is a lot of what I think we're probably going to get into today is looking at kind of doing some pregnancy nutrition myth busting around different foods that maybe we've been told we cannot eat when we are carrying and Mm -hmm. looking at a little bit of the research and what is actually important to look at when determining what you feel comfortable eating when you're pregnant. 
because <laughs> I think so many people go into this time where they feel like they have this huge list yeah. of things that they just can't do anymore. And uh, that can feel really debilitating when you're <laughs> looking at your nutrition it's and then also like you already are going to have aversions yeah. and cravings and weird things going on. And so it can just, yeah. feel like it's just piling up, you know, yeah. thinking about what you can or can't do. So something that I absolutely love that you uh, represent through your page is when you're talking about prenatal nutrition, you're talking about nourishment for two, not necessarily quote unquote eating for two. And so before we kind of get into like more nitty gritty, like talking about specific foods and stuff, Kind of tell me about that philosophy and what that clear kind of difference is between nourishment for two versus eating for two that we hear <laughs> all the time when we're when we're pregnant. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Um, and this is this is like one of the biggest myths and something I focus like so heavy on whenever I first started even just like educating on social media. Like this was one of like the topics that I would continually post on so much initially was when I was on social media, because this was one of the biggest things I heard, like the biggest myth that I would hear, or like the thing that people would say the most, just like you hear it all the time. Yes. Yeah, um, like, Oh, you're it, eating for two now. <laughs> yeah. It's just so casually said, and I don't right. think people really understand what they're saying or like what they're insinuating by saying this, but the more we hear it, the more we like think like, oh yeah, I am eating yeah. for two or like all of these things, which is fine, right? Because you are growing another human. I don't want to mm -hmm. like downplay that yeah. by any means. <laughs> like there is a human growing inside of you. But to that point, that is why I say nourishment instead, because it is such an important and crucial time that we want to focus on nourishment as much as we possibly can. And in reality, you're not eating for two, you're eating for like 1.4, you know, yeah. like, so, like not less, like, you know, it, it gets higher as you go along in your pregnancy, but like right. you're eating for like one and a fourth, you know, um, right. You're, exactly. You're not doubling your intake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're very first pregnant, like babies like the size of like a blueberry, you know, like in that's so tiny. So you have to like imagine that in your head, like you don't really need. And that's why in the first trimester, like for most people, you really don't need to eat any more than you did. Mm -hmm. Granted, you were like adequately eating enough calories before you were pregnant. Um, cause you know, again, there's so many people that are under eating in general, but mm -hmm. granted you're eating enough calories before being pregnant. What you were eating before that is likely plenty in the first trimester, because again, think back, okay, my baby's the size of a bean. My baby's the size of a raspberry. Like they're going to get what they need. Like they're going to take it from you and utilize it as much as they possibly can. Yes. Well, and that is so interesting too. And while we're, while we're talking about it and just kind of at the very beginning stages of pregnancy, what does that look like? Because obviously a lot of people don't get into pregnancy specifically planning for the exact moment that they're going to be pregnant. Um, yeah. So how does your baby get what they need. And then to that same effect, why is like preconception nutrition so important? 
Yes. I love talking about this. So I'm happy to go into this. Um, So I'm sure as you can attest, Hope, that the first trimester can be very challenging. Um, (laughs) And there are a lot of like unexpected and, you know, it's different for everyone. The range of sickness can be from very mild to very, very severe. But most people like statistics show most people experience like quote unquote morning sickness to some extent, which Mm -hmm. usually hampers your intake. You might not be able to eat anything. You might only be able to eat crackers. Like some days you might be able to feel totally fine, but other days you might be like, holy moly, like all I can eat is this bowl of cereal. And like, that's it. So I was honestly shocked by how much it affected me. Yes. Because I'm just, I'm not someone who gets sick a lot. I don't experience being sick. I'm just like a generally healthy person. I, I don't even come down with colds most of the time. And so I was like, oh no, not you, me. You're like, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, it happened. It was, yeah, that first trimester is something else. And the sm- like, I literally couldn't even be in the kitchen when my husband was yeah. cooking something. It was just, yeah, it was not yeah. happening. It was not. <laughs> yeah. But for you, right? Like, not a big deal because before you were pregnant, like you were making well-balanced meals. You were making sure to eat foods from all the food groups. Like you were focusing on including colorful things on your plate. So your body was well like stored up, you know, with these nutrients um, that you had already been working on and like knew were important and all of that stuff. So that is super important. That is just, I mean, that's just one reason why preconception nutrition is so important is because the first trimester can be so challenging that if you've done the work ahead of time, your body's like, okay, this is fine. Like I have the blueprint, like your body's amazing and knows what to do. It has the blueprint. It can just pull from all those nutrients and back again, give it all to that little growing blueberry. (laughs) Um, and okay. So baby's just a blueberry, but, 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 but that, and that first trimester is still incredibly important developmental wise because the baby's major organs have almost immediately already started beginning to form. So that's another reason why even outside of like the sickness and everything that goes on in the first trimester, another huge reason why preconception nutrition is so important is because of those major organs developing so early on Mm -hmm. in that neural tube, like it really closes really early on in pregnancy too. um, And people don't realize that either. So that's why focusing on folate, focusing on choline, those things that close and form the neural tube are so important during that preconception phase. Yes. I love that because, I mean, a lot of times you can be, you know, weeks, maybe even 10 or more, you know, if you've had irregular periods and that's not weird right. for you to miss a period before you even right. figure out that yes. you're pregnant. And then a lot of development has happened in that time. Yes. And you might not even know. Yeah. Like yes. your baby's whole, like, you know, brain and spinal cord might have already, already be developed and you don't even know you're pregnant. It is just mind blowing. <laughs> Anytime. If you're thinking babies m- just might be in the future for you exactly. and uh, focusing on your nutrition, I mean, not only for yourself, but exactly. for that future time period. Yeah. yeah. It can make a big, yeah. big difference. That's what I always say too. I'm like, hey, even if you think like one day I'll have a family, then it's like still like these things are still important. Even if you're like one day in the future, it's an yes. end, 
you know, you can't determine what time it is, what year it is. Totally fine. If you want to have a family, like this is all super relevant still to you. Mm -hmm. And so, and I know, I don't know if you focus on this a whole lot, but just kind of snowballing out of curiosity, what is the same for the, the male in the (laughs) preconception period? And then like, what does his, does his contribute anything like health wise, nutrition wise that they can be focused on too? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. They're 50% of the equation. <laughs> uh, so I think people how unfair is that? He's 50% and yet she's growing in my body. I know. <laughs> I know. It's unfair. It really is. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, it is. They Their health does matter. And I feel like we're just now getting to the point where we're like shining light on this, yeah. at least from like a social media perspective. Like I'm seeing more and more like healthcare professionals, like put some emphasis on this and we're all like, okay, finally, like we're talking about this. Um, But it could just be because, you know, the era of social media and I'm just now seeing it. But also I don't have, I've never heard of a preconception visit for a guy. So that, I don't know. Um, But there should be, I mean, if you are again, back to the, if you're thinking about starting a family in the next year or two years, that's a great idea. Like both you and your partner schedule doctor's appointments and like tell your doctor like hey we're thinking about starting a family there's things that both partners can do and you can do them together like you know mm-hmm. if you guys are both on board with making these lifestyle changes whatever it is that you want to focus on like do it together make sure you're both committed that makes it so much easier because when one partner's not on board it's just like yeah. not fun so just have that conversation i think is ultimately what i'm trying to say uh-huh. schedule an appointment yes your partner's nutrition and lifestyle choices absolutely matter so yeah we have a whole guide on that too inside the library we have a whole guide on like preconception nutrition for your partner so amazing them, yeah. send them send them that and tell them hey these are the things you need to include in your diet um and then our preconception meal plan you can just follow that for, for both of you, you can just follow that. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Very interesting. You know, I did not know that that note was available. I didn't need to go look at that. I mean, we're past the point of preconception now, but <laughs> for future next, babies. Next <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's kind of get into talking about some like specific foods and doing some myth busting around pregnancy nutrition. And I'm going to start with one that is very close to my heart because I love this food and I have continued okay. to eat it <laughs> okay. through my pregnancy. Okay. So deli meat, why does it get such a bad rap? And why? I was In my head, I was like, is she going to say deli meat or is she going to say sushi? I was like, yeah. she's either going to say sandwiches or sushi. <laughs> sushi is next on my list. <laughs> Okay. Deli meat. We'll start there. You know, I think this has like been on the avoid list for just like so many years that we just like haven't been able to shake it. Like it's still on list. Like doctor's offices are still saying it. Like it's still on there. It's still on the internet sheets. Like, and the other, the issue with that too, is that there's no reasoning. Like nobody is like, writing why and like the doctors aren't telling you why either you know maybe some people ask and they maybe go into an explanation but I've honestly never heard of that every time I ask people like did your doctor mention nutrition they'll say like no they didn't mention nutrition or they didn't at all or they just handed me a handout and that was it 
So it's like, we're told this, told this information, but we're not given any sort of real education around it or like the why behind certain things. So number one, I think it's just been there a recommendation for so long and nobody's updated anything. Number two, so long ago, it deli meats were a bigger concern. Like they were showing up more frequently on like foodborne illness outbreak lists and things like that. But that was back in, I want to say like the eighties and the nineties. So that's a long, like a long time ago. Um, it doesn't seem like that long ago. I, I was like, really, that's like a really long time ago. <laughs> I know. Um, the nineties is like, I saw yeah. like 10 years ago somehow. I don't know why. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Um, that's like a really long time ago. Um, and now more like more than anything, produce is like the biggest culprit for causing foodborne illness outbreaks and things like raw fish and raw shellfish mainly are things that are causing more foodborne illness outbreaks. So I'm telling me, I mean, they're still like higher up on the list. So I don't want to say that they're not like they can't cause foodborne illness outbreaks. They mm-hmm. still can and they still do show up sometimes on these lists. But the risk overall of you getting sick from these is extremely, extremely rare. And you can do a lot of minimal like practices to avoid these risks. Mm -hmm. Like you can get fresh deli meat, like cut fresh, like right in front of your face at the grocery store. Like that's a great option. Um, There's a lot of like high quality brands out there nowadays that are like making really high quality deli meats. You can get them toasted, you know, you can get your sandwich toasted or you can toast it yourself at home. Toasting your deli meat to 165 degrees Fahrenheit basically will guarantee you're not going to get sick from eating them. Uh So there are so many things you can do. And ultimately, and this is what I always say, if you follow me on Instagram too, it is your personal decision. So if you still don't feel comfortable and if you feel like if I eat this sandwich, I'm going to like spiral you know, and I'm going to have anxiety and like feel so guilty, then like, it is not worth it. Like don't even eat this sandwich. But if you've got the education, you know, where your deli meat's coming from, like you have a specific grocery store or wherever you're getting it that you feel confident in, then eat it. And the other thing I want to say here, the last thing I'll say is that most people like, it's so interesting. And I think it really is like a psychological thing is that so many pregnant people crave deli meats. Yeah. They like <laughs> crave sandwiches. And I really do think it is a psychological thing because whenever we're told we can't have something, yeah, we want it more. I mean, we, that's with anything. Like yes. whenever we're told we cannot have something, we psychologically want that thing. So I think that the more we're telling pregnant people, they can't have deli meats, the more they're just craving them. So I'm like, stop telling people, <laughs> stop telling right. pregnant people they can't have sandwiches. Like it's crazy. <laughs> and so if that's the only thing that sounds good, oh my gosh, eat the sandwich, you know, like yeah. you're, you're pregnant, you, you need to eat something. And if you're like, you know, what sounds great, a sandwich, like eat it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I love how you educate around the topic of a foodborne illness and and the risk of those things on your social outlets and through the prenatal nutrition library because you always make a point to say there's no one food that will or will not exactly guaranteed be safe during pregnancy there's risks and different things to look at but 
even with foods that are, you know, higher risk, there's just like you were saying, so many things you can do to minimize that risk. And it can come down to, you know, being just making those decisions for yourself and, and figuring out what feels comfortable for you and what does not, you know, past the point of the things that we know we should not be consuming like alcohol, high mercury fish and stuff like that. But yeah, outside of those things that have clear research Mm -hmm. backing them that, that we should not consume. Yeah. A lot of it comes down to personal autonomy and decision-making, which I am 1000% behind. Yeah, exactly. Love being able to make my own choices and feel confident. People really want me and and some people love that and some people hate it. Some people are like, no, just tell me yes (laughs) or no. And I'm like, listen, I cannot and I will not make the decision for you. Like you have to make this decision for yourself, you know? And I think that is a little bit challenging for some people because they're like, even with like me giving them this information, they're so like, ah, like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, then go back in, like read more about it, like educate yourself some more. Mm -hmm. The decision. I cannot make the decision for you. It's so funny because people are just like, just tell me yes or no. And I'm like, unfortunately, with prenatal nutrition, like this is like the one area where number one, I can't make the decision for you. Number two, it's like there's so many gray areas that mm-hmm. I am like giving you all of the information that is available. Like if there was something else available, I'm not hiding it from you. Like right. I Telling you all of the information, like if there was something more available, I would be sharing it with you. You know, I'm not, I'm not hiding any information. So I think that's helpful to know too. People are always like, but just, I'm like, well, there isn't a clear answer. Like if we knew it was safe or unsafe, like I would flat out tell you the answer. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and something else that you mentioned, which is just so ironic is that you know, like fresh produce is high right. up on the risk list and no one yes. is going to say to stop eating produce Vegetables. when you're pregnant, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's they're so nutrient dense. Yes. And so I think, and again, this is something that I see you talk about all the time that I love is, yeah, weighing the risk versus reward from eating yeah. whatever food that is. And a lot of times, yeah, like vegetables, they're going to be worth whatever minuscule right risk is there because we're never going to be able to get the risk down to zero right like that doesn't happen right with anything yes and so yeah just weighing your options and and looking at the benefits that you have and speaking of that what and I can I am picturing two foods in my mind that I literally can't even look at without thinking of you (laughs) but (laughs) um that's great to hear. What are some of your favorite foods for pregnancy nutrition? I'm going to, I have four foods in mind that I'm just going to list and see. Okay, uh, go, go for okay. it. Eggs, avocado, spinach, Check. salmon. <laughs> yes. Love them all. Those are all great. <laughs> Those are like my personal pregnancy superfoods, which superfoods, I don't know. Yeah. Be right, a right. thing or whatever. But what I'm thinking yeah. of pregnancy nutrition, those four like pretty much pretty yeah, like include a lot of what yeah. we need when we're looking at prenatal nutrition. So yes, give me your thoughts and why or why not we love these foods. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, okay. So that is a good grouping, right? Because with that grouping, we have protein, 
healthy fats. Mm-hmm. We've got fiber as well. So like with those four, you're already yeah. hitting like so many <laughs> of the major <laughs> things that are so important. You have, you have folate, right? Because spinach is a great source of folate. Yeah. Leafy greens in general. I always say leafy greens in general. So if spinach isn't your favorite, pick another one. Um, I don't mm-hmm. want you to force, I don't want you to force yourself to eat anything you don't like just because it is quote unquote, a pregnancy superfood by yeah. any means. <laughs> there are plenty of alternatives to these foods also that we're mentioning that you yes. can also get other nutrients in outside. I hate to say outside of eggs, but I do think that it is it. I mean, choline, right? So when we're thinking about eggs, we're thinking of choline mm-hmm. and choline is mostly found in the egg yolk. So if you just don't like eggs, I think there are ways that you can incorporate them where you're just not flat out eating like a hard boiled egg. (laughs) There are other things, there are other dishes you can make to kind of quote unquote hide the eggs. If you're allergic to eggs, of course, that's a totally different story. I'm not telling you to eat eggs if you're allergic to them. (laughs) Please don't do that. (laughs) There are other foods that are high in choline as well. Like if you include fish and meat in your diet and you don't include eggs, like you're going to have a much higher chance of meeting your choline needs with just being able to eat meat and fish in your diet. Yeah, eggs and avocado are really the two that make me think of you. And I think it's because of your... um, (laughs) My logo. Yeah, your logo (laughs) with the little avocado baby. It's so cute. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, I thought you were going to say, when you said the two foods, I thought you were going to say eggs and salmon. Yeah, well, and salmon was on the list too. I do. Yes. Yeah, salmon. Okay, yes. Okay, salmon was the last one. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's talk about salmon. Why salmon is so good because of omega 3s, omega 3 fatty acids, and specifically DHA, which Mm -hmm. is used to build your baby's brain. So that is incredibly important as well. And DHA specifically is hard to get if you don't eat fatty fish like salmon. So that's why salmon is such a quote unquote superfood for pregnancy is because it is helping us get that direct source of DHA that we need every single day during pregnancy, especially in the third trimester where hope is right now. Yes. Um, Oh my gosh. I'm I'm 34 weeks. Oh my gosh. Do you believe it? I know. (laughs) Wow. So in the third trimester, DHA is so important because it is rapidly being involved in developing your baby's brain, like right there at the end. I get this question a lot too, is like, people want to know exactly what nutrients are important and important in exactly what trimester. Uh And for some, there are reasons why they're important during each stage of pregnancy. Like we talked about folate and choline in preconception and early stages Mm -hmm. of pregnancy. We're talking about DHA and like latter stages, third trimester. So there are some nutrients that are important in stages, but mostly these nutrients are important throughout your entire pregnancy. There's not really a time where I'd be like, oh, don't worry about consuming healthy fats and DHA. Like, you know, I want you to still try to include those things throughout your whole pregnancy. But I guess it's kind of a good thing that it's super important in the third trimester, because I know for most people, like fish is totally off limits in the first trimester. Yeah, that's a bit off hard, no. (laughs) So... Well, and it's, I think it's so interesting also because as you say that, and you know, it could be some like information bias because I know that DHA is important in this third trimester, but I do find myself literally craving salmon. 
more. And again, I don't know if it's, you know, yeah. a multitude of factors, but I do sure. think it's so interesting how your body will ask for things yeah. as you need it. Have you heard any stories or instances where like cravings line up specifically with what you need in that specific circumstance or there was like some maybe deficiency that the body was trying to correct that showed up through craving a specific food? Yeah, definitely. I don't think you're alone in the salmon craving either because a lot of people will specifically crave sushi during their pregnancy. Uh And again, this could be the deli meat scenario. This could be the sandwich (laughs) scenario where we're told we can't have sushi, so we start craving it. That could be a factor. But another factor is with raw fish, like raw salmon, the nutrients are more bioavailable because the fish isn't cooked. So there's some thought that your body is like wanting more of those like, yes, nutrients in that like raw fish and salmon. So there's definitely some thought behind that. And I've seen that. I've heard that a lot too, like the sushi craving. And that's so interesting. And in other cultures, it's totally okay to eat sushi throughout pregnancy. Is that true? Yes. Like, Like I mean, in in Japan, Japan is like, they eat so much fish. That's like a major part of their diet and raw fish too. Like they're eating all sorts of fish, all sorts of fish we don't even eat here. And so that would be so weird if like one of their recommendations was like, don't eat fish, don't eat raw fish when that's like a major part of their diet. Yeah. So that's definitely true. And with that, like, Yes, I like educate that and tell people that and, you know, help people realize that. Um, But we also have to understand like, yes, the quality of their fish is, you know, different, like just like any other food from any other parts of the world, like we're growing in different environments and things Mm -hmm. like that. Those are definitely things to consider. But overall, it kind of goes back to the like, where are you sourcing it from? Like, are you going to reputable restaurants? Like, you know, if you want to ask like the questions, like, are they making sure they're prepping the fish in a certain way? Not only that, but so many of the sushi rolls are cooked at restaurants right? and that you have options there. And then again, back to our point at the very beginning, any part of the sushi roll can cause you to get sick. We just talked about how produce causes the most foodborne illness outbreaks. And guess what? There's produce in a lot of sushi rolls. There's cucumber, there's avocado, Mm -hmm. there's like lemon sometimes, there's like sprouts sometimes, there's all sorts. I mean, mango, I've had sushi rolls with mango and like all of these different fruits and vegetables that are in sushi rolls. So any of those parts could potentially cause you to get sick. And then some people are like, oh, I heard it was the rice. Like the rice is just sitting out too long. And like, that's the issue. Could be like, mm-hmm. could potentially cause you to get sick. We don't know. Yes, of course, there's risk in eating raw fish. And I still absolutely recommend avoiding raw shellfish because raw shellfish is one of those that there's some sort of foodborne illness outbreak with raw shellfish all the time. Yeah. So that's one I recommend avoiding. But personally, I feel comfortable saying that in some instances, raw salmon is totally fine to eat. Again, back to the psychological point, you know, back to the mental health point is what I'm trying to say. Uh Uh, You having anxiety towards it, I would never want that for anyone. So again, personal decision. Yes, 
For sure. Well, and I think a lot of it goes back to like previous personal experience ever. And I don't I don't even want to say this because I feel like I'm going to jinx myself now. <laughs> but like I've literally <laughs> I've never gotten food poisoning. I've never gotten sick from yeah. literally anything that I've eaten. And so yeah. to me, I don't even. Right. Like not a lot of things make me uncomfortable. I am being right. <laughs> more conscientious now that I'm pregnant, sure, but you know, that's I, so funny. I have to like yes. mention too. Like there was like a couple years ago, I can't remember. We were just hanging out with some friends, and somehow like I don't know if someone in our friend group got food poisoning, or we were talking mm-hmm. about some something about food poisoning, and literally one of my friends goes, "Oh my gosh, people still get sick from food." Like he was just like unaware that like food poisoning was even a thing even anymore. Still a, yeah. Yeah. Like a thing. And I'm like, yeah, like people still get like, there's still foodborne illnesses out there. Like, you know, but like our, and our food system is very safe in the United mm-hmm. States overall. And I always try to remind people of that too. It is very safe. That's not to say that these things don't happen, but like in comparison to earlier years in other countries, like the U.S. has a very safe food system. Yes. Well, exactly. And so that is, that has been my personal experience. And <laughs> But, right. you know, like my husband, even with me being pregnant, is probably still more cautious with what he eats because yeah. he has been, he has had before. before. And so, you know, it's just, it's really, again, coming down to personal decision. And I don't know how I like really feel about like using intuition necessarily as the only sole factor in making your right. decision. But I think that can play a role too, where it's, yeah, you just get this like icky feeling and it's like, oh, I'll pass on that. I agree. And then and I say that too. Yeah. I say that too. I'm like, hey, like if you feel like you have a strong intuition or not, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I do believe it is a factor. If you are sitting down to eat a meal and all of a sudden you get a weird feeling or a gross feeling or something, then like you should probably listen to it, you know? Yeah. So totally agree. I don't think it should be the only factor. <laughs> I think we should still take this education and understanding of like the food supply and foods that commonly cause sickness and, and things like that and use those as well. But if you're getting any sort of strong feelings towards certain foods, then I would not ignore them. Right. Yes, I totally agree. Have that factor into your decision making mm-hmm. a thousand percent. Okay. Another food that I... <laughs> That I've gotten some questions about, and I guess it's kind of a more of a general food group, but like soft mm-hmm. cheeses or like different kinds of cheeses. Oh, yes. Like feta yes. cheese and goat cheese and even like mozzarella sometimes, which, yeah. again, I haven't had a problem <laughs> continuing to keep <laughs> in my diet. But why are those kind of perceived to be shaky? Yeah. I mean, it, they're not wrong. Like the... The why they're on the list is because Mm -hmm. they can have the potential to kind of like deli meats, like they are technically like a food that does have a higher likelihood of growing a germ. But most soft cheeses are pasteurized to prevent this from happening. So just check your labels. You know, if you can go to the grocery store, you can find every single cheese you just listed, you can find pasteurized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're eating it in a cooked dish, like on top of it being pasteurized, you're eating it heated. 
So the yeah. risk is virtually zero. <laughs> like, right. If really. it's like mozzarella on a pizza. <laughs> Correct. The risk right. is zero. The risk is none. <laughs> Unless somebody didn't wash their hands who made the pizza and was sick or something. You know what I mean? Like right, there right. are always cases, but yes. <laughs> if you're eating a cheese that's heated, yeah, the risk is so, so minimal. Yeah. Just look at your labels. I mean, they will say pasteurized or not. If you can't find it, pick up another one. If that makes you feel comfortable. What about blue cheese? That yes. is moldy, essentially. Is that yes. um, that makes okay. it sound really gross? I love blue cheese. <laughs> right. People ask me this too. They're like, but what about like I think Brie has like the outside and, and blue cheese and things like that. Uh-huh. That is how the cheese is made, though. And our body has an enzyme that digests those. So it's not dangerous. This because if you think about it, if that was dangerous, then we shouldn't be eating them ever. Like we shouldn't be right. eating them when we're not pregnant. <laughs> if that was right, like, if it's dangerous. like actual like mold, mold. right? If it's right. like bad mold that you find on moldy food, it, it's different. I think that's the distinction: is that it's different than mold found on bread, right? Like Which bread. would be a definitely no. Which would be a definitely no. You yes. should not eat <laughs> real mold that's found on old bread or something. Right. Um, but cheeses that you basically use mold to ferment and like make the cheese, mm-hmm. that's different. That is different. That's not dangerous to you inside pregnancy or outside of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Honestly, that makes me feel better because I had not looked up blue cheese in the <laughs> in the library yet. Um, yes, we do have a section on this. Yes, we do have a whole section on soft cheeses in the library. And we talk about the mold aspect of cheese because people people are confused about that as well, understandably. Yes. We've mentioned the library like 50 times, but I haven't actually <laughs> explained what it what it is. But this is an app that Ryan yes. created and it's called the Prenatal Nutritionist Library. And so if you're a member of the library, she and her team of dietitians have created notes over almost every <laughs> nutrition topic. Yes food you can think of. And literally, instead of Google searching, you can just go into the app and search whatever the food is and the note will come up. And you already know that it was written by dietitians. It's so convenient. And I have been, I mean, I use it almost every day to go check something or just see like what Ryan has to say about whatever, you know, food it is that I'm curious about. The other day I was triple checking what type of canned tuna I should get. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's so convenient to have that resource where even as a dietitian, if I Google search something, I literally am having to go through and like see, okay, is this a reputable source? Who's writing this? Where's this coming from? And even though I can decipher the information, it's a time suck. And so. (laughs) 1000%. Just No one wants to waste their time. Yes. And already having it and knowing that it's from a reputable source, it's from a dietitian, and I'm going to get the answers that I need without having to see a bunch of scary stuff along the way. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I know. I I get fearful when people are Googling things and then these scary, scary results pop up on Google. And then, yeah, to your point, you go and you scroll down and like, you don't even know who wrote it. Like, there's not even an author or anything. It's like, who's writing this? No idea. <laughs> no. So, I mean, the whole idea is just genius. And so when did you notice there was a gap 
in this market because you're not a mom yourself yet. So what was kind of like the spark to want to have this be your niche and what you do? Yeah. So I was always interested in prenatal nutrition. Like ever since I went through the dietetics program, I always just had a fascination for it. Mm -hmm. So that was when the, the spark initially happened. And then I started working at a woman infants and children's clinic. So I was like the RD supervisor at a, basically a pregnancy slash child infant nutrition care center. And I saw pregnant people there all the time and they wanted this information. Like they were really like trying to find this information, but it honestly just like, wasn't available. Like it wasn't Like there was nothing that I could like confidently recommend. Mm -hmm. And this, this was like into, so kind of evolved there while I was like working at that clinic, I was thinking, you know, I love this. Like, you know, I can do this on my own. I'd love to like be able to teach whatever I want to. That was a huge aspect of it because the education that they had was just like super basic, very like I had to recommend this certain thing. And I just felt like there was so much more to give and so much more to educate on. And a lot of the stuff that they were educating on was some of it was outdated too. And so I was like, this is really frustrating. Like I can't really teach what I want to teach. I know there's so much more. They want so much more. They're asking the questions that are the great questions, the right questions to ask, Mm -hmm. but I just was not able to provide that in that setting. So that's when I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to start my own business. And then I started getting one-on-one clients like on my own and realized the same thing. I'm like, I can't, like, there was not one website because in between my client sessions, right? People, my clients would be sending me emails and like, Hey, is there a website I can go to? I would like get this question. Like, Hey, is there a website I can go to where I can like, just check if certain foods are safe, if I can check on not even that, but also like, if I can go to a resource where it says vitamin C, this is why vitamin C is important. This is what it does in pregnancy. These are common sources where you can get the most vitamin C. There wasn't even a resource like that. Like there wasn't any one website where I could confidently send my clients in between sessions like, hey, this is where you should go when we're not talking and I'm not in the office or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it took me years to like, for it to finally dawn on me, like, oh my gosh, like I need to create this. (laughs) doing like you know like this doesn't exist like I can create this and so that's kind of where it all stemmed from and yeah it took took me a while to get there but eventually we got there and yeah it launched in 2020 so it's 2023 now yeah the library's been alive for three years now it still feels like I should have created it longer oh my gosh well it is so comprehensive already that I cannot believe that it's only been in existence since yeah, 2020. That's years. crazy. Yeah, yeah oh not my. even three years. Actually, it'll be three years exactly at the end of next month. So what a yeah. fun anniversary. That's yeah. awesome. Congrats, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. So yeah, we're just trying to get it out, you know, to as many people as possible and get it, get it into the hands of as many pregnant people as possible because it's like this resource is really needed. And yes. I think that so many people are just winding up on Google with like hundreds of conflicting answers and so confused. So, well, exactly. And yeah. And just feeling powerless and being able to make those decisions where it's just, I guess like, well, I'll just default on no, 
And then it's yes. like you just exactly. end up <laughs> Sad feeling more and more deprived yeah. and maybe missing out on something that's actually really good for you. So Yes, totally. And like the sandwich thing just gets me so frustrated because I do feel like that happens so often to where <laughs> people crave sandwiches. It's the only thing they want. And then they just feel so anxious or guilty or something. And because they don't have the education, they don't have the tips and everything like that, that they default to, you know, to your point. And they're like, okay, my sheet here that I'm reading says no. So I cannot do it, you know? Yeah. And then they probably, I don't know. They probably eat something less nutritious is typically what happens. And Mm -hmm. and that's a, that's a big part of it too, is a lot of the times when we find a sheet and it says, no, 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 no. Like that can really hamper your nutrient intake ultimately, because you just have this huge list of foods that you think are off limits in combination with food aversions, nausea. So the list of foods you can eat becomes about this big. You can't see me, but I'm like holding a two inch list. (laughs) (laughs) That's how big the list becomes. And you you ha- you struggle to meet your nutrient needs. And, yeah. Or well, yeah, you're losing out on the variety that's necessary yeah. to create yeah. that nutritional base that's so right. essential. Okay. I have two more things that I want to chat about. So if this isn't the most read note in the library, then I don't know <laughs> what would be. But how do you pick a prenatal vitamin and what are the most important things to look at? when you're you're starting off on <laughs> on the journey of sifting through the 4 billion yeah prenatal vitamins out there. Yeah, and you are right. It is one of the most popular notes in the library. <laughs> um because this is the only piece of advice that we generally get from our providers. Exactly. We get on go, the prenatal. Yes. Yeah. And that's what that's what they say. You ask, "Hey, is there anything I need to do? What should I eat?" And they say, "Just start taking a prenatal vitamin." And so you're like, "Great." I'm going to spend uh-huh. hours on hours on hours on hours end I, trying to find the best prenatal vitamin. <laughs> I am telling you, I that is probably the first place that I went in the prenatal nutrition library when I found out I was pregnant. And yeah. it made it so much easier because, yeah, I just knew that like what you would recommend would be aligned with what I would want and, and right. need, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And then having that like just synopsis of what was important right. to look for and then being able to choose what I would work for me and my needs. Right. Oh, yes. It was just so easy. It was so much easier Good. <laughs> than I'm trying so to do it on my own. That. So I'm and, so and glad. That's the, goal. <laughs> that's the goal. That's the goal. 1000%. Because right. When your provider gives you that information, they don't give you anything else. They don't give you what to look for. Nothing. They're just like, just start taking a prenatal vitamin. And you're like, great. Yeah. I have it's a like, thousand I mean, I more questions. Go to Walmart and just pick one up or like order one on Amazon. But then it's like, yeah, yeah. I wanted to know a little bit. <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to know a little bit more about what was going on. <laughs> and, and to your point, like most people do, most people are wanting to find the best one because yeah. they're like, this is what is important. Then I need to really figure this out. And you're not wrong. in like thinking that it is important. And I think, especially with something, a supplement that you're going to take on a daily basis during something like pregnancy, 
you do need to do your due diligence and check on things, make sure the company that you're ordering from is of quality. And that's the first thing that I always say is make sure your supplement is third-party tested. And what this basically means is that the supplement company has hired an outside party to test their supplement and say that it is safe. What they're saying is in there is in there. What they're saying isn't in there isn't in there. So that's really important. And you should know very obviously if the supplement is third-party tested or not. If you're looking at the store, it should have like a stamp or something on there that says third-party tested. You can also go to their website. Um, It's usually, I mean, most people have it on like their front page. Right. Because they want you to know. It's a a depiction of quality. (laughs) Yeah. It's like... exactly. So, so it should be very find, obvious. Yeah. Or if it looks sketchy, then just yes. pass. <laughs> pass. Exactly. I, and that's always what I say to him. Like, if you have to do like a decent amount of digging to find that information, then it's pretty apparent that they don't have it. So that's def- definitely number one. The supplement industry is not, I was about to say horrible. Um, it's kind of horrible. Um, yeah. there's just no regulation and it's such a huge, massive industry that is like worth billions. And well, I and know. I think, I think a lot of people almost like misprioritize the prenatal vitamin as being like the end all be all of prenatal nutrition when it is yeah. a supplement. And and again, not to say that it's not important, but also I think, yeah, just being able to very clearly know you're doing what you need to do in your actual diet and the food you're eating. And this supplement that you're taking is, I mean, supposed to just supplement (laughs) your already healthy diet. You know, it's not like making magic happen, essentially. Not by any means, no. The food you eat is so much more important and it will always be so much more important. So I get the hyperfixation on the prenatal vitamin, but also (laughs) we need to bring ourselves down a little and remind ourselves that while it's important, the what we're eating on a daily basis is much more important. So what we do in the library is basically take you through several prenatal vitamin recommendations. And then under them, we list pros and cons. And we talk about, hey, this would be beneficial for you if you are allergic to eggs, you know, like we mentioned yes. at the beginning. Well, this and I be- loved, yes, I loved reading through those and seeing those like if you're low iron, then yeah. this or yeah. And so, well, and with that in mind, it would also be good <laughs> to know your kind of base nutrition status yeah. before but, yeah choosing one um right. to know if you're lacking anywhere. Yep. So and that's a big thing, right? And that's a big thing that I always say too is like I and you'll never see this on my page. I don't talk about one prenatal vitamin specifically. Yeah. And there is no one best one because we are so unique. We are all we all have different oh my needs. Gosh. We- well I love that mm-hmm. so much because you could make bank off of some sort of like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been approached approached by the biggest supplement companies. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, that's so absolutely commendable to not be swayed by that. And I know that's just not who you are as a person because that's not a good recommendation. Just like you were saying, everyone has different needs. It's not. It's really not. And it is also frustrating 
to see, you know, quote unquote influencers or fitness influencers or whatever, like take these brand deals with supplement companies and create all vitamin companies because whatever they say, the people that are like super fans of their page, whatever they say and whatever they recommend they are going to buy, regardless if it is right for them, that person oh, watching the story yes. or not, they will purchase it. And the, the supplement companies know that they're not stupid. That's why they're paying whatever price that influencer put down because they know what they recommend their you know audience is going to buy. So yeah, it's frustrating. It really is. But yes, all of our needs are different. I would not be taking the same prenatal vitamin as Hope, you know, as my neighbor, as a person, you know, three doors down. Like it just doesn't make sense. We have different health histories. We have different current intakes of foods that we eat on a daily basis. If we both go get blood work done, guess what? That blood work is going to look different. I might be deficient in something that you have plenty of. We might have just different lifestyles where maybe my budget isn't as much as yours. Maybe you can mm-hmm. afford, you know, this prenatal vitamin. I can't afford it. So we there's so many things that we have to think about. Um, and actually, since you've probably used the prenatal vitamin guide, we have updated it. And what we have added is different sections. So for people who are on a budget, for people who are dealing with nausea. So like best options for nausea, best options for budget friendly, best options for like low pill count, because some of them have a lot of, you know, that was shocking to me (laughs) where it was, I literally was like, Oh, I'll just take a pill once a day. It's like, Oh no, 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 (laughs) no, exactly. Five at once, twice a day. I was like, um, Exactly. Hard pass. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And a lot of people are like that, like people that do not want to swallow a pill um, or like, you know, have aversions or whatever reason. Um, So there are options there. And then in addition to that, I think I was already talking about, I can't even remember now, but I was already talking about pros and cons, the pros and cons list of each option and then who would benefit from it if you're prone to anemia, if you're, if you don't eat eggs, if you're vegetarian and so on and so forth. And then above that, we have just basically like a basic guidelines things to look out for. And that has what I already mentioned was the look for third-party testing, make sure it has some form of choline in it. Um, Even if you do eat eggs, like make sure it has some choline in it, make sure it has activated forms of vitamins for like, you know, so make sure instead of it saying B12, it says methylcobalamin. So it'll be like a fancier name for the vitamin typically is kind of what you're looking for. So just think like that. It's overall, I mean, honestly, I'm biased, obviously, but I do think it's the most comprehensive prenatal (laughs) vitamin guide available on the market. So So it's a fantastic, fantastic resource. And I think some of that was actually there when I was, or I just made this connection myself, but I originally chose one and was trying to take it regularly. And like, I was literally having to like gag it down. Like I'm an adult. Why am I doing this to myself? Like I can choose a different option. And so I chose the little, um, a brand that does gummies and no problems since then. So (laughs) gotta do what works for Mm -hmm. you. I'm I'm not getting any use out of this prenatal if I'm not actually, if you're not actually taking it. it. So 
Yeah, might as well find one that you can take. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I can absorb the like four grams of added sugar or whatever it is in the gummies and it'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And as long as you're aware and you know that and you're like, okay, four grams of sugar, like it's not that bad in the scheme of things. So, right. (laughs) For the trade off of actually taking my prenatal. So, um, but no, I do. I absolutely love the resource and it was so incredibly helpful and continues to be helpful. And I recommend anybody who I come in contact with who's pregnant, I say, go join the prenatal nutrition library because it, I mean, it truly is the best resource and the only one like it, which is Mm -hmm. just wild. So it's such a good Mm -hmm. idea, Ryan, and you have done such a fantastic job with it. Um, I so appreciate you taking the time to do this. And if you would just kind of give us the rundown of where we can find you, where we can download the app, what that looks like. Yes. Yeah. So basically on every social media platform, you can find me as at prenatal nutritionist. We also have a specific account on Instagram for the library. So that is at the prenatal nutrition library. So we post content daily on both of those two Instagram accounts. And then I have a popular TikTok account as well, where I'm also at prenatal nutritionist. You can find me on Pinterest. Um, We also have a blog, theprenatalnutritionist.com. And then the app, you can actually download for free in either app store, whichever one you're on, just search the prenatal nutrition library. You can download the app for free. We have a free meal plan on there. And we've recently added a lot more free notes that you can view on there too. Awesome. there's a portion that you can get totally for free. We have one of our nutrition quick guides on there listed for free as well. So it's a really good like sneak peek into what the library actually is if you just download the app for free. So be sure to check it out and come say hi on one of my social platforms as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so Uh much, Ryan. It has been such a pleasure. And I will link all the resources that she talked about in the show notes. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.